everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 154. Today is the day for our somewhat grand finale of the Francis Ford Coppola Corner. After doing it, made nearly it. A year and a, near, nearly a year and a half, I believe. Or shit, maybe it was a year and a half, exactly. Yeah, just about. Might have been, wow. It was our mission, should we have chosen to accept. We See, chose that. Is, that. We, we accepted. That is, that yeah. is corny. I know. Kind <laughs> 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 of do a little tie in uh, here. Well, that moves into our, also on top of that, so we're going to be reviewing the movie Betwixt Now and Sunset, The Authentic Cut, and uh, doing a review after that of the newest Mission Impossible film, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. So without further ado, let's get into our final Francis Ford Coppola Corner. I was in Istanbul in Turkey, which is Istanbul is a spectacular city, and I was thinking, hoping to come up with an idea for a story that I could maybe make there because I thought my few dollars would translate into more there. And uh, talking with the lawyer, she took me out, and her sister joined us, and we started drinking this wonderful beverage called Raki. I got very loaded, and when I went home, I had this vivid dream, and it was so vivid. But it was scary, and, and uh, it had a lot of the fat. I mean, literally what is in the heart of this movie. And I thought, oh, how lucky I am. I'm, I'm being given a scary story, you know, and I'm going to be able to wake up and do it. I don't even have to write it, you know. So if this is your first time joining us, uh, spoiler alert, this is the last one we're doing of this until for, for quite some time until Megalopolis finally, finally releases. But we have reviewed every film since Dementia 13 all the way up until Betwixt Now and Sunset, authentic cut from director Francis Ford Coppola. So if you ever want to go back or if Mr. Coppola is listening, take a look at those previous episodes and we've gone through them. I feel like we've been pretty honest and thorough with everything, so... Maybe share us on your page. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe answer <laughs> one of my questions. That'd be cool too. Looking like a psychopath out here. So uh, every time that we do one of these, though, we have been giving trivia from the beginning to the end from the previous film. So our previous film was Tetro from 2009. So we have trivia from Tetro to Betwixt Now and Sunset, which technically came out 2011. But this version we saw was actually released last year in 2022. Uh, it wasn't released until on physical and digital this year, 2023. So this is actually pretty up there for being up to date for what for once for us, I guess. So we're going to give you some trivia, give you a review, and then we have a wrap up section to go over the um, kind of culmination of the entire section itself. So and like last time, Marco and I are enjoying some Coppola wines while doing the podcast. Absolutely. I don't know if you switched it up for you, Marco. I didn't. I stayed with the uh, Rosé, the the uh, Sophia, which I, I like. I, without a straw, it's much better, by the way, just sipping it. I don't know why I had a straw. I, I bet. Yeah, I feel like it's more like a gimmick with with the straw. I yeah, didn't... I think that was just to be like, oh, it's fancy. But it's yeah. for your lipstick, guys. You don't want to smear it over. That probably the is actually true. I didn't switch it up either. I stuck with the Pinot Noir because it is fucking delicious. Nice. So we just got that going. Um, so let's get into some trivia here. So in an interview with the New York Times, Coppola discussed the origins of the film, which is we're talking about uh, at the time, by the way, it was just originally Twixt in 2011. It was renamed to Betwixt now in Sunset for the uh, re-release, which he said grew out of a dream I had last year, more of a nightmare and, quote, seemed to have the imagery of Hawthorne or Poe. Twixt was filmed at Coppola's estate in Napa County, as well as locations in Lake County in California, including the city of Clear Lake, downtown Kelseyville, and nice. Musician Dan Deacon scored the film, 
the film's name was changed from Twixt Now and Sunrise to Twixt, and scenes from it were played at the July 2011 San Diego Comic-Con International. Twixt was screened solely at film festivals in North America as it was a featured film at the November 2011 American Film Market. The film received a general theatrical release in a handful of international markets. A re-edited and restored version titled Betwixt Now and Sunrise was released theatrically on September 30th of last year and on Blu-ray and digital on February 28th of this year. So without further ado, let's get into our review of Betwixt Now and Sunrise, The Authentic Cut. How does it feel to be the bargain basement Stephen King? Not too wonderful. You know, we had a mass murderer a while back. A lot of folks think uh, town's haunted. Well, I, I'm uh, just wrapping it up here in the town, and then I'm going to be on my way. You're a mystery writer, and you're not interested in mass murder? You come with me right now, and take a look at the doozy I got in the morgue. Ah, Jesus, what? Serial killing appears to be. How'd you like to collaborate on a book about this? You and me. I want to write something for me, something personal. Does that make any sense? I'm not going to write another witch book, and that's and it. I'm stuck here trying to come up with magic numbers to make it all work out and put food on the table. Betwixt Now and Sunrise, The Authentic Cut, sitting at a whopping 29% on Rotten Tomatoes, but keep in mind that is the original version score. The plot for this one goes, a struggling horror writer visiting a small town on a book tour gets caught up in a murder mystery involving a young girl. Once again, directed by the great Francis Ford Coppola, as James has mentioned already, we have reached the end of our journey and have officially reviewed almost all his films. Written also by Francis Ford Coppola. Movie released September 4th, 2011, originally, though how James has mentioned that the version that we are reviewing was recently released last year, 2022. Had a budget of $7 million and a box office gross of $1.3 million. Ouch. I mean, I'm not shocked, though. If this was really yeah. screened, like... And we talked about it even last time. He, he wasn't in it to make money anymore. Yeah, this so. wasn't for me. And no. besides, $6 million of that budget went to Val Kilmer for his stellar acting. Like, it's, he demands quite a bit here. Uh, of course. Of course. So, big name. And uh, yeah, I know. I, I heard Francis Ford Coppola loud and clear in his last movie. You know, the message about not caring about making money anymore. So uh, this one stars Val Kilmer, as uh, Nabil has mentioned, as uh, Hall Baltimore. Bruce Dern as Bobby uh, Legrand, Elle Fanning as Virginia V, Ben Chaplin as Edgar Allan Poe, Joanna Wally as Denise, Dan Ovello as Melvin, and David Pamer as Sam Malkin. Also stars Alden Ehrenreich as Flamingo, Tom, and Tom Waits returns as the narrator. <laughs> this is like an alley-oop, but I was like, oh shit, is that Tom Waits when I heard him talking? <laughs> yeah, he comes back. Like- Oldie but goodie, let's go. What what a a way staple, baby. Yeah, what a way to bookend, you know, the filmography. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, up until this point. Up until this point. Yeah. We'll see what happens with uh, the next film. Like I'm assuming Tom Waits is in Megalopolis, right? He's got to be. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm full blown expecting it, so better not be disappointed. 
as with all the Francis Ford Coppola movies we've reviewed up until this point, we go over any history we've had with the movie and if we've seen it before. So with that said, I think I'll start this time with our MC, BDJ. Uh, what's your history with uh, Betwixt and have you seen it before? No, I've never seen it. Never. I don't think I even, maybe I heard about it only because of this all. Mm-hmm. Like like when we when we had originally decided to do the whole Coppola thing, I think that's probably when I found out. Or maybe I'd seen like something about it before. I don't know. I've never seen it, though, obviously. But it was one of those movies that um, just kind of snuck up on me. I mean, it's a late Coppola film, so I'm not shocked that I, d- I never saw it. But yeah, this is yeah. first time viewing. And, um, you know, obviously for the director's cut on top of that, too. First time. Right on. Uh, what about you, Nabil? Have you seen Betwixt before? No, I've never heard of it. Um, I want to say similar to Tetro from the last pod, it might have been a film's box cover that I saw um, mm. at like a blockbuster or something like that way back when yeah. in the day. But I never gave that a second look, like never was interested or was like, oh, I want to see what this is about. <laughs> so no, I've, I've really got no history with this film at all. How about yourself, Marco? Well, we got the trifecta going. I've never seen the movie. Never heard of it. Same goes with the re-release director's cut. My first time. <laughs> yeah, it's like I would. You would have thought I'd know with like Val Kilmer and Ellie Fanning, you know. But right, like, those those were some big names for the time. Maybe, maybe not Ellie Fanning yet, but Val Kilmer. Definitely. She was up and coming. Yeah, that was. And then Bruce Dern too. I mean, that's Bruce a pretty Dern, big name, always man. a solid. Val yeah, Kilmer. This is kind of his like lull period in the like. Early 2010s, where he was kind of like doing these not so great films. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, that makes sense. And I guess it's like um, he he wasn't sick yet either. So no, not yet. This, this has got to be like near the end though for him. Like there wasn't much more in between this and to when that happens. Right. Sadly enough, no. Yeah. So with that said, uh, Nabil, uh, what did you think of Betwixt? Uh what can I think about this movie? I um, I will tell you from a positive standpoint, I think it looks pretty nice. Like I, it, for okay. it being an indie film, I liked how it was shot. I like. I definitely saw Coppola in this movie. Some of the, I, I was, I found it interesting. Some of the, there's like video calling here, and I liked how he kind of did the the screening of the individuals that they were looking as if we were they were looking at us and the camera talking to us on the camera instead of like looking at a camera on a camera kind of thing mm-hmm. so that was really nice the imagery the black and white the color the usage of, of color and the and some of the the uh, i don't know if they were like really dream sequences all the kind of shots that he did over there that looked stellar um i really enjoyed it and was kind of unique too especially for this film um so that was visually striking. It's a visu- very visually striking film, especially for an, a low budget indie. Um, I got lost quite a bit in the plot. I think <laughs> the acting, especially for who's here, El Fanning, Val Kilmer, and Bruce Dern, I I didn't feel like I was getting what we're used to seeing in their other films for some right. reason. I don't know if that's just a direction or if it's by choice, but it didn't really seem like very strong acting from from the from these, you know, like very top, honestly, top actors in some other films that we've seen them in. So that was a bit surprising. Um, and the plot was just very thin. 
Um, yeah. And the parts that we were going to, I just, I, I couldn't really figure out what, and I don't know if that's because of this cut, because I know he, this is obviously like him re-editing whatever was um, mm-hmm. from the original, um, and he was trying to give something else. I know that there wasn't supposed to be something very strong as far as like a, a plot from A to B. It is supposed to be more introspective because it's, it, it, and James, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, is it's in regards to like, is it his son or his grandson that passed away? And this yeah. kind of was a bit of an homage to that as well. Mm-hmm. So the grief that somebody's his, going through. Yeah. yeah. His son. His son. So, I mean, I, I kind of got some of that. Um, but I just, as from a film perspective, the, it just was a lot of nothing. Like, it was going nowhere, but he was trying. I, I don't know if that's just supposed to be the uh, visual representation of the emotions that he's feeling. Like, there's just a lot mm-hmm. happening and it's hard to put together. I don't know. But, um, yeah, that the, I really didn't like the story itself. No, that makes sense. Uh, what about you, James? What were your thoughts of Betwixt? I think I liked it a little more than Nabil. It's not. It's not great. I didn't think it was bad though. I. I do. I. Do, I think one of the the points of it is that it is a very good looking movie. Um, cinematography wise, I think especially in the dream sequences, I, I. I actually liked every one of those scenes. Just the look of it all was. Yeah really cool with like the reds mm. and shit too i really i really mm. like the look of it i watch this on like uh, i own the disc on this one and my blu-ray player uh, i have a 4k one that it upscales everything too so it's probably the best that can possibly probably look truth be told yeah i agree though the the, the plot uh, the plot is confusing right. i guess overall by the end we learn you know it's about grief and like regrets and shit like that but um kind of sneaks up on you with that plot i don't know if there was supposed to be more of a gradual fucking yeah Chase it's like in the last and... five minutes, James. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's hints of it early on too. I guess where he's I mean, typing the full he's... like exposition of it and everything just happens in the last five minutes. Which is funny because like that original part is not like the ending of the original cut. I guess so. This almost makes me think like, should we have watched that fucking original cut too? I was kind of thinking the same. Yeah, I was like, I'm... maybe then I could we could at least do a bit of a comparison. They're, they're, to they're missing like quite a few. I looked it up like the differences, and there's like quite a bit more after that scene. But oh, he really? said that he, yeah, he wants he wanted to end it there just because it's supposed to kind of like resonate with the like you're supposed to think about it and you're supposed to take it as you're supposed to take it and you know maybe think of how the plot's supposed to be leading up to it or something. But crazy because I, I mean directors cuts usually mean they add stuff to it, you know, for the most yeah, part. No, this is shorter and the scenes are moved around a lot in this one, much like yeah. in uh, Godfather Three Coda, how he he some later scenes are cut earlier. Coda. He did the same with this movie. So yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I thought it was okay. I, I wouldn't mind actually watching the original cut now just to see yeah. like what the difference was because it, it mm. seems like there's quite a bit more, especially with Bruce Dern's character in the original cut. So mm. I kind of actually want to see that. But I, I do agree. Bruce Dern is not used well in this film. Ellie Fanning is okay, but she's also kind of like, I, I don't, I, I is the subplot of like the vampire shit and like the kids getting killed. Like, I don't feel like it had anything to do with the overall plot by the end. But maybe in the original cut, it has more. I, I kind of forgotten about it already towards the end. Yeah, but I will say this much: I, I just I love Val Kilmer, so I actually, for one of those movies where it's just like him just coming in randomly as a writer, I feel like this is almost like this almost could have been like a Silent Hill like movie if you think about it. Like guy coming to a small town, all yeah, the sleep, okay. things happen. Yeah, and it's a sleepy town. Like just like Jaws 3D, I feel like I could fix this film too. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> With a little bit more of a budget, so J- J- James and I had a whole conversation last night about how Jaws 3D could be remade into a better film. 
Oh, God. 100%, yeah. dude. Totally random. I know. Just letting you guys know, like, maybe we can get Spielberg over here to clean it up for you. I'm just no, he's, he had nothing to do with third movie. <laughs> no. We'll come back. I'm just letting you guys know. I could fix these movies. So. Yeah. We have ideas. That's my opinion. Hey, I thought it was okay yeah. overall. It wasn't uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. his worst movie, but it off- it's not on the upper echelon of shit, but, mm. you know. Mm. Yeah, that's a no for me, guys. I, I, I didn't like the movie, man. It, I, I struggled to get through this fucking movie, and it's not that long. It's like an hour and 15 minutes long. Yeah. So that's a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, no, no. The, I I agree. The cinematography is good. Uh, I I have some uh, sentimental opinions about Val Kilmer, obviously, but it it wasn't enough for me to e- even remotely enjoy this movie. I I man, the the plot is just so weak. Uh, the acting it feels so it's a, it's a low budget, technically indie movie because he um you know. Low budget film that is, yeah. yeah, did it himself, funded it himself. The act, the acting feels like it's a student film. Like if this was like a, if this was a community college or university student film, I would probably give it more credit because it's like, hey, it's a student, first time, whatever. But th- this is uh, a seasoned, experienced director, which. Makes me question too, like when Bill said, was this done on purpose? Is it supposed to be part of the the style? If it is, regardless of what the reason is, it didn't work for me. It just it just brought me out of the movie. Like I just couldn't buy into it. I was just sort of like, all right, they're just going through the phases, going through the motions, going through the lines. And honestly, like, yeah, the whole idea about grief and and loss was was hinted in there but i don't think it was enough for yeah. the for the payoff to to elicit any emotions like i felt bad yeah like you know he he lost his daughter in a freak accident and he blames himself because he was having an affair at the time and had he not you know overslept and gone boating with his daughter maybe she'd be alive that you know was it, it just didn't have that much of uh an impact on me I, I was just like by then i was just kind of done i was just trying to get through through it uh, the only real saving grace for me, aside from the fact that Val Kilmer was in it, is uh, the the cinematography. Some shots were really good. There's some shots of the house where he's going to to the house that's you know, um, it's all like kind of abandoned and stuff, and it it just it looks great. Uh, the the dream sequences, yeah, I agree with James there. Uh, they look pretty cool, but nothing really interesting happens in those scenes aside from you know. What we're looking at, I could have just put it on mute and watched it, and probably been more satisfied. So yeah, this one just did not work for me at all. So that being said, I know we we had mentioned you know Val Kilmer being on this and it probably being one of his last films. Um, Jay, like James, what was your thoughts on on Val Kilmer in? in I was like, man, he didn't mention this film in his documentary, did he? <laughs> That's it. Um. Like I said, I, I I liked it. Like he's working with what he has, um, mm-hmm. which isn't much on this one. That's why I'm like really curious. Like I feel like we should have maybe. It's it's weird because we for all the other movies we didn't watch the original cuts, right? But I think we had some familiarity with like. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Like Apocalypse Now has four cuts. Uh, right. Cotton Club has two cuts. We saw Outsiders Coda instead of Godfather Three. Yeah, right. Outsiders has two cuts, right? So I mean, mm-hmm. 
So I don't know. This might have been the one for us to maybe. Jack probably had two cuts. I don't know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Fuck you. I like Jack. Um, yeah. So it's it's just one of those things where like I think maybe this probably would have been smarter to do it that way, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. We're done. So I thought Val Kilmer was okay. He didn't bother me. So like I said, overall, I I I thought it was okay. So fair enough. Uh, and I know we talked a little bit about the plot here um, and its themes, but Bill, were there any scenes for you that stood out? I know you had mentioned some of the cinematography. Were there any scenes in that that stood out for you? Well, like James had mentioned, a lot of the the stark contrast of the blood, you know, the red that would come out, those were always good. There was a couple scenes, like there's one where somebody's getting staked through the heart or he's pulling the stake out of the heart and it's just like blood gushing everywhere. And it's very mm. unexpected to see how much comes out like throughout yeah. the whole film there's not like a lot of extra horror elements and then suddenly it's just like it Kilmer pulls a stake out and it's just like whoa just there reminded everywhere. me of a uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula where there's yeah kind of like that ex- exactly yeah. like so so there was that there was a scene where um you know the the kids are being kind of killed and that's a very dark yeah. and gruesome like that whole sequence is intense um and but it's very vivid, like it's it's all black and white and kind of like the shadows in there and you don't know what's happening. And then suddenly mm-hmm. like blood pops out or there's a little touch of color somewhere like it's those those are the scenes that I think really showcase, you know, Coppola, you know, what he was and definitely what is showing. The, they were there's just even a shot bit. of like a mailbox. I thought of you, Nabil. They like they, they focus on the mailbox and like Jesus. the house is blurred out. I was like, that's the <laughs> Coppola shot. It is. Yeah. He's very. I mean, he's, you know, with all the films that we've seen, it's it's there's a signature there, you know, and you can see even with him doing something mm-hmm. like this that's very indie. Like, there's still the master craft of his technique is still showing in the film. Regardless, you know, we've we've talked about it before in a lot of other films, and I'm talking about like the plot. He's not the strongest writer, and he does better when he's partnering with somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, he's probably better like the dialogue. He's really good at dialogue. Mm-hmm. But I think like when he's partnering with somebody, he can really get a full fledged story. But his his directing at usually uh, depending on the film, but definitely his cinematography is like really I, I, he has a vision for sure. He knows what he wants to show on screen, regardless if we agree with it or not. What we're seeing is what he wants and is a very specific um, identity to it. And I, that. I think taking away from everything here um, is what I enjoyed most about the film is seeing that on screen is, you know, from, from uh, just knowing that it was a mastercraft in his work. So. I think like if he has the budget too, he can do horror, right? So yeah, it's just um, go going on that. One. James did, right. uh, did the horror work for you in, in this movie? Nah, not really. Like I said, it, it's such an afterthought when you find out like the plot of it all. And it's kind of yeah. like, I'm not sure why the fuck this is like, going on. Why are there vampires? Right. Okay. I mean, I, I kind of liked it. I like the like the, the priest killing everybody, and then like I was like, oh shit, we're gonna get more into that, and they really don't. That's why I'm telling you, like, I feel like there, this one is like, is there it, was it no is book into that, like, it? No, yeah. dude, it ended so suddenly. I was like, oh yeah. shit, that was the movie, and then I was like, okay, well, fuck. Go pop in, <laughs> yeah, let me go pop into kind of, 3D now. So you know, <laughs> they're just kind of sitting down and talking, and you're just like, uh, like, and it's just kind of like a fade out. Almost. Well, it kind of stops, but it's, Dude, it, reminded it seems me, like someone's going to go somewhere. <laughs> it reminded me. Do you, oh God, do you listen to the Arnold's Pump Club podcast? Yeah. 
Every no. time at the end, I feel like he has a little more to say on his podcast. And it just kind of yes, it just yes. Cuts. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Together we could we could do something with the world," and then boom, I'm like, I feel like he had three more words after that. They're like they're like no hard five minutes. <laughs> we're done. We'll get Arnold on. every time. He's like, "Together we can we can fix the world" or something like that. And then it just cuts. I'm like, I feel like he's gonna say something else, yeah. and that's exactly how it is in this fucking movie where like he stopped <laughs> yeah. and then they pull back, and I know that that shot's extended. That's actually part of the thing. To hold back and show the cliff, and then the writing comes up. But even then, I was like, "Oh shit!" They, whoa, what a that's what, it. Yeah, whoa, what happened to Bruce Stern? Say, very you know? anticlimactic. Oh, so yeah. like in the in the normal cut, he he wakes up and then he goes to the place and he finds out like Bruce Dern's the guy that's been murdering everybody, and then oh, like see? Bruce Dern has oh. like hung himself in the thing, and then like there's more to it and shit. So Jesus, do we get I'm more flamingo on his motorcycle? <laughs> that scene is that scene is later in the thing too. By the way. Oh really? Apparently, I believe. Yeah, that was weird. By the way, Alden Ehrenreich. I was like, oh shit, he was in two fucking Coppola films. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, god right? My man, my man's back been... for more. Yeah, there was something coming from him too. But yeah, the, the, those are. I agree, James. Like it was, um, just like it just stops, and you know, knowing that context from the plot, I think that would have served it better. <laughs> I guess from what we're seeing, yeah. this is this is more like the the art house cut. Than it is like an actual yeah. film cut. No, yeah. I agree. I agree. And then it's Little just points. weird. Like Edgar Allan Poe is just like, okay, I don't really care, but okay, thanks. Just yeah. told him everything. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, uh, N- Nabil, did this um, does this feel like a Coppola film to you? Oh, I mean, yeah, this is Coppola all over again, um, for sure. Like, like I said, it's got his signature all over it. Um, hmm. and and let's be honest, you know. Like we had mentioned at the beginning of this, he wasn't planning to make money off of this. It's a very small budget, relatively speaking. The only yeah. thing that really keeps it moving along is his name. To be honest, oh, that's, like, that's that's fine. You, know, you can you cannot yeah, make so, uh, money off a movie, but um, yeah. make it a little good. Well, no, that's what I'm saying though. Like I mean, his him, intent though, was he like, probably, yeah, I think he likes this movie quite a bit. He wants to make make it the way mean. he wants to make it. So he almost like, made this just for himself. Make it a a series, a trilogy. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> you think about it. It. He, he almost just made it for himself though really like yeah. this is just like hey and then if you want to watch it you can watch it like he's, yeah, he's can to tell. that point in his career Bobby gave a guy you know like free wine for like two years or something like that and said you Probably. know he gave him seven million bucks and he's like alright thanks I'm gonna make this movie now I feel like I should have drank more wine while watching it so well, well Marco uh, so you've been talking to us about it I mean like what obviously we know what didn't you didn't like about it but did, was there any redeeming quality for you? Was there anything that you felt like, okay, I get where you're coming from, Coppola, or were you really expecting more from him? I was expecting more from him, really, even for a, an artsy film like this. Like I've seen him do a better artsy film. We just we just did one called Tetro. Um, you know, it, that had more of a, yeah. a bookend, a full story, uh, complete, and same. He did the same same excuses you guys are giving that he did it just for him. You know, it's it's it. That's fine. Do it just for you. But, you know, I mean, that doesn't necessarily make it good. Um, I guess I was just expecting a little bit more from Francis Ford Coppola because we've seen it, you know, Um, maybe that maybe watching the original cut would have would have helped. It would have helped probably expand that whole theme of of loss and grief, especially that that reveal that Val Kilmer has like. I was watching it and I was like, oh man, that sucks. But I feel like I would have had like more of an emotional like reaction to it had it like just been executed a little better. 
um there's just too many freaking you know red herrings going on with the whole vampire cult and everything and it's just like wasn't maybe it's really necessary um, yeah you know maybe because um, maybe we know more about Kobo though like you like is it supposed to hit us harder because it's like he, he's basically talking about when his son died in a boating accident too right yeah is it supposed to yeah, hit us true. harder as like like super fans at this point we're like oh shit the whole movie was about his son yeah, Easter it? eggs. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I see it. I just feel like, man, it was just missing just a little bit more. May, you know, maybe this <laughs> this is a I movie that probably could have benefited from an extra 15, 15, 20 minutes, you know? Yeah. Just no, a little this bit could more. Actually probably, I mean, 15, 20 million dollars too would have helped. But I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, the, the truthfully. Dude, what's in Napa, by the way? I was trying to think. Some of the dream sequences, I'm assuming. Right? I assumed, you know, the scene, like especially at the beginning where he's walking with her in the woods. That's in Napa, I think. That's definitely in Napa, yeah. I think. Yeah. Where they're partying, you know, across the river. I think that might have been like somewhere over there as well. Nabil, yeah. that 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 worked. For, this scenery did work for me. I I liked it, and that's that. I was like, man, you could do so much more with this. Like, you know, just yeah, make it a little bit more impactful. Sake. I'm like, I've yeah. been there, dude. Clearwater oh. is scary in itself, man. Come on, you, <laughs> you got a lot to work with there. So that that's that's kind of where my right. where my disappointment was because um you know I really enjoyed Tetro as artsy as it was it you know and yeah. it the, the the whole uh, message behind it I kind of enjoyed it and I wish especially because the themes surrounding this one and how personal it must have been for him I was just like man I I wish I could connect with you a little bit more on this one but I just you know I can't. You know, the story was just yeah. felt a little bland. Yeah, it happens. But, you know, it, it had some stuff I did like, the cinematography, the, the, the scenery, Val Kilmer, you know. Um, but that that's about it. It just wasn't enough for me to say. It is interesting. You know what? I'm going to recommend uh, this one. With his ex-wife. He actually yeah. worked with his ex-wife, though. That was his um, his ex-wife, and that one is his real ex-wife. That is his real which I think is hilarious. Yeah, that he met oh, in, uh, when he was filming uh, Willow. So Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit, yeah. Willow. Yeah. Uh, so with our rating, of course, we decide one to five stars. The five stars being great, one star being you know absolute poop. Um, we'll go ahead and start with Nabil here. What do you rate Betwixt Now and Sunrise, the authentic cut? I gave this two stars. All right, it's pretty fair. Uh, what about our MC BDJ? What do you rate betwixt now and sunrise? I actually gave it three. Like I said, I I gave it three. I I actually, I didn't mind it. He's he's crushing his wine can with one hand right now. I don't know what that means. He's just crying. Jesus Christ. (laughs) He's disintegrating it. A lot's Uh, happened since the last pod, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I rate this one unapologetically one star. Um, Probably will not remember this one. Yeah. yeah. One, two, three. Look at that. Three. One, two, three. All uh, right. Thanks, Marco. So we do have course. some more trivia here, by the way, we want to talk about. Like, there's stuff that happened after this because it's been a while, obviously. So in 2015, Coppola stated, that's why I ended my career. I decided I didn't want to make what you could call factory movies anymore. I'd rather just experiment with the form and see what I could do and make things mm-hmm. that came out of my own. And little by little, the commercial film industry went into the superhero business and everything was on such a scale. The budgets were so big because they wanted to make the big series of films where they could make two or three parts. I felt like uh, I felt I was no longer interested enough to put in the extraordinary effort a film takes nowadays. In April 2019, 
Coppola announced that he planned to direct Megalopolis, which he had been developing for many years prior. Speaking to Deadline, he said, I plan this year to begin my long-standing ambition to make a major work utilizing all I have learned during my long career. Beginning at six, age 16 during theater, and that will be an epic on a grand scale, which I've titled Megalopolis. He had planned to direct a movie, a story, about the aftermath and reconstruction of New York City after a mega-disaster many years earlier. But after the real-life disaster of September 11th, attacks, the project was seen as being too sensitive. In August 2021, it was announced that Coppola had begun discussions with actors for the project that he was aiming to begin principal photography in the fall of 2022. In April 2022, it was reported that filming was to take place from September 6, 2022 to February 2nd, 2023. In May 2022, the, the star cast was revealed. Adam Driver, Forrest Whitaker, Natalie Emanuel, John Voight, and Lawrence Fishburne. In August, it was revealed that Aubrey Plaza, Talia Shire, Shia LaBeouf, Jason Schwartzman, Catherine Hunter, James Ramar, and Grace Vanderwall joined the cast. In early October, it was announced that Chloe Feynman, Dustin Hoffman, Bailey Ives, Isabel Kuzman, and D.B. Sweeney would also be joining the cast. Shit, we got an all-star Ooh. cast in this bitch. Right? Good for him. All-star cast. I almost feel like a lot of these people might have reached out to him when he announced yeah. the movie. I was thinking the same. Probably like I know Adam Driver's the main guy. I've seen photos of the set and shit, but like everyone else probably has smaller roles, I'm assuming. But it's like they just want to be, you know, get a chance to like probably this is, be last exactly this is most likely the last Coppola film. I'm gonna take right. a stab in the dark there. Yeah, because Mr. Who, who wouldn't want to work with him? You know, pretty very young in spirit, of course, but he's older gentleman. But um, yeah. I mean, once again, you know, just answer some of these questions on fucking Instagram. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not a big deal, but I mean, Chill. so guys, uh, Copa Corner is done for now until technically we will be back for Megalopolis next year, assuming it happens. I mean, it's already done, so I'm assuming I'm like pretty sure this is happening. So, oh, yeah, for, for once, we don't have to be like, I don't know if it's coming out or not, but this is definitely a movie that will be re- supposedly releasing next year. I don't know if there's because all the strikes, if that's gonna delay the release of this somehow, maybe it might, who knows, but we will get it eventually. Mm-hmm. We will make that our main review when it does happen. I feel like it's in our blood to do it at this point. It warrants that. Truly finish it out. So I, I do have to ask overall, you know, we've been doing this since I, I want to say January 2022 at this point. It's now to date us a bit. It is July 2023. So we have been doing it for a year and a half, you know. So um, what did you guys think overall of the the whole segment itself? Uh, start with you, Nabil. You know, I think it was a really good segment. I got a chance to see the growth of, in this case, you know, the director and see, you know, his technique really come to fruition. Even the films that, you know, I'd I'd seen before and didn't realize they were a Coppola film. I, you know, as we got to them, especially the films in the 90s, I started saying, oh, this is a this is a take that I you know I wouldn't have had a perspective on if I hadn't mm-hmm. seen these other films and kind of gone through all the pains that he mm-hmm. he he had to to go to to get to where he, this film is. Regardless of the quality of the film, the box office, whatever else it is, like the the artistry, and it made me appreciate you know the craft 
in this case as you know as a director so i really enjoyed it, it it's not something i would ever done you know i've watched movies i've seen actors you know go through their phases and everything and it's mm-hmm. nice to see that but it's different i think to see it from like somebody who's behind the camera and um yeah. seeing how that film um is is really kind of showing has that signature of the the director and you know i thought that was just it was a really worthwhile segment to go through nice what about you marco I absolutely loved it. I mean, I know I was just bashing this movie and all, but uh, I love Francis Ford Coppola. I'm glad that we went through all his movies, the good ones, the great ones, and the bads. You know, I, I think that he yeah. is a, a phenomenal director and writer, artist. I think that uh, if if you are artistically inclined and you you do this and you see his journey, learn more about it, and the hardships he went through, I think you can relate to it. You know, at some point, you've um, if you've gone after uh, an, uh, any artistic outlet and and felt, you know, the same criticisms he got, the same pressures he got uh, going against, you know, a certain norm in, a, in, a, in an industry, whether it be, you know, theater, film or music and, you know, trying to make your your own out of it and succeed sometimes and fail at others. I, I think it's uh, inspirational. I think that it makes it so the artist still continues to feel inspired seeing that one of the greats has gone through the same types of emotions that, you know, what freaking uh, garage artist has gone through, you know? And it makes you think on the, the film industry and this, you know, this director, and it kind of makes you think that it's not necessarily, and this is probably just my opinion. It's not necessarily that, this director went stale or stagnant. It's more just the industry changes just were not compatible with the artistic mind of this director. And who knows if things were different, he probably would still be one of the, you know, elites today. I mean, not to say that he's not, you know, a great, but you know, there are directors that are well-known today that, you know, are, you know, surpassing him right now at the, at the box office, but it just kind of makes you, you know, think on that a little bit more and appreciate his filmography that much more yeah definitely i I, um i echo what you guys say too to all this it's um it was fun going through it all i've done it for other directors and such like that before but coppola had always you know he has these huge films you know the godfather Mm -hmm. apocalypse now that we all know about you know and it was nice to go back and start from the beginning to the end and really see like the emergence of him of like how crazy it was how young he was when he actually made the godfather and like, you know, how he kind of was always chasing that afterwards, especially mm-hmm. after Apocalypse Now and Godfather Part 2. And um, I think there's a lot of gems in there, man. And I think there's a lot to appreciate, especially if you even looking deeper into that, like his friendships and stuff like that. His friendship with George Lucas was big on even getting George Lucas out there. Like without yeah. without Francis Forcoba, there is no George Lucas. So he, he financed uh, THX and American Graffiti, which led directly into his contract for Star Wars. So. And how many directors um, were inspired from that? So it's just the, exactly. the effect so, of that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like he was part of the, like we talked about the, the zoetrope kind of thing, you know, him, De Palma, all these people. So I think it was a great segment. I had a lot of fun. Um, I do need to ask you guys though, out of the Coppola things, like, do you, do you, has your opinion on Francis Ford Coppola changed since we started this? Like from what you originally had probably maybe viewed him as a director? um the bill you know i i had already kind of high held him in high esteem before but 
I think I, it did grow even more so. Regardless, because every film that he did, even the ones that he had to do for the money, um, just to kind of recoup losses or do <laughs> for the studio, like there, he still tried to make it his own. You know, there was always in every film that we saw, whether I liked it or you liked it or not. You know, we, we he he had his his uh, his style in it, and he he did his best to make the movie, you know, the best version of a, to feel proud of it. You know, even if he didn't always like everything he made or the yeah. or the project, he still did his best. So I appreciate that, and I still like the fact that it wasn't. I, I never felt even the studio films. I've never felt that any of the films that we saw was him like having to sell out this production because of whatever. Like he True. he he still made it you know, as, as kind of not indie, but, you know, to, to as close to indie as he could without it feeling like it's just, a, it doesn't have a soul, you know? So yeah, I, I, agree. I, I really kind of admire him for, which probably led to a lot of that. like, um, not getting things done on time and over right. budget. I, I'm assuming. fighting with the execs, probably, yeah. you know, the budget mm-hmm. issues. Cause, cause here's the thing, uh, everything we've talked about here and we've done through the, throughout this whole segment, not once has that I can recall, at least have we ever heard anything about like an actor coming at him or, you know, uh, or it's like a co-director or a writer, like really having any bad blood with him. The, the, the fights that he had was always in regards to the studio or an exact or something else. Like people mm-hmm. like working with him and liked his direction, even if there was hardship in the sets that some like apocalypse now, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Like, obviously there was challenges with the movies, but there wasn't a, a time where I, that we, at least discussed that there was an actor that said, I really hated working with him. I'd never do another Coppola film. You know, yeah. like, only one I can even think of remotely is maybe Winona Ryder backing out of Godfather 3, but then he cast her in cast her anyway. Yeah. Right her, so. Exactly. Yeah. So, True. Yeah, uh, what about you? Right. Yeah. What about you, Marco? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's chains of what I think of Francis Ford Coppola. Like Nabil, I, I always thought he was, you know, a, a really good director, but now I, I see him as a great director. I see him as a great fucking artist. Truthfully, yeah. he's one of the the dying breeds of a true artistic director, one who will not, uh, for the life of him, uh, let his art suffer for the sake of of money or profit. And it's very it's true. it's it's very rare. I think a, a quote that we just read that sticks out with me is when he said, "I I decided I didn't want to make what you would call factory movies anymore. I would rather just experiment with the form and see what I could do." And uh, very you know, similar to what George like, Lucas said after he sold Star Wars, by the way. Right. Yeah. Like he, uh, the the very fact that he, he could easily make any genre, and this is from watching his entire filmography, he can make any genre with his eyes closed easily and make it Hollywood perfect. But he didn't want to do that. He wanted to challenge the norm and take film in different directions. And, and that's why we got The Godfather. That's why we got Apocalypse Now, you know, like the, he he we wouldn't have those movies if he wouldn't if he wasn't, you know, forward thinking like that. And I, I that's why I say, you know, it's the industry that really kind of betrayed him than the other way around, you know, because who knows what he could be making if they just weren't um, focused on, you know, let's go for the most profitable you know, genre right now, you know, rather than let's see what this yeah. guy can come up that's new. So. No, he's he's definitely up there with with the greats, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he's probably up there now. One of my favorite directors. So yeah. I, I've always 
I've always liked you, yeah, obviously, Godfather and Apocalypse Now, but uh, discovering all these other films in between and, and learning more mm-hmm. about him personally, um, I think has definitely changed my opinion. So it's, I agree with you. It's not just a good director. He's a great director. So I Plus think he's, he's, he's local. So, you know. True. Yeah. Once again, I mean, <laughs> shoot me back a reply. I mean, I love it. I mean, <laughs> just saying, not a big deal, but yeah. uh, just tell him about his Jaws 3D like, remake. Ask me a question. Please. He's only going to answer three questions. I mean, damn, that's real specific, but okay. That's fine. I guess. Not a big deal. You got to be one of the three. Okay, so, you know, I, I had to have, at least ask this. What do you guys think? I'll start with you, Marco. Is be, uh, the Coppola's best film, in your opinion, it's all your opinion, and then what do you think is like a sleeper hit that you'd recommend to someone that isn't so like the Godfather ranked kind of films, you know, like something they somebody might have not seen before? For me, personally... The best Coppola film for me, in my opinion, is The Godfather Part Two. That is my favorite Coppola film. I would watch that sucker a lot on VHS and DVD. Oh yeah, we talked about it. Yeah. Um, What's your sleeper Coppola hit then? My sleeper Coppola hit, honestly, um, man, dude, that would probably be. Between Tucker and Tetro. But I think Ooh. I'm leaning more on Tetro, man. Interesting. Tetro, okay. Tet- I really I really like Tetro. Tetro's quite good. I agree. Yeah. Uh what about you, Nabil? What is your favorite or best Coppola film, I guess? It's really a way to say it. And then what's your sleeper hit? Uh my best is just like Marco. The Godfather Part Two. I still think it's just a masterpiece. Um there I like I can find no faults in that movie and uh, it's just an easy film to rewatch over and over again. Yeah. Um, cause it's just so interesting and the performances are great. Um, sleeper hit. I do have a couple, I'd say kind of go hand in hand. I'd say like the conversation and Rumblefish. And I know the conversation was Oof. relatively a success back in the day, but a lot of people, I don't yeah. think have seen it recently, like in the last two decades. So I think that is a film that should be appreciated one. more and watch that. And I I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed Rumblefish and I like that story because it kind of played in that kind of uh is you know you're the, the, the only, you're the only one. I know. It's well and and Coppola apparently. But yeah, that's um, his favorite film by the way apparently. Yeah. So. I like that kind of decade, you know, that he was shooting it in that that time time um set setting and that kind of landscape of like not just George Lucas's viewpoint of what that time period was of, uh, but the other side of it where there was people on the other side of the tracks and having a harder time, you know, God, so we, we get it. You love Matt yeah. Dillon. Fuck. Yeah, Matt R- Dillon's pretty R- good. R- so yeah, I would recommend I just remember Mickey Rourke just keep saying it. R- Mickey Rourke looked pretty damn good, you know, before just everything else. sweating the entire movie. Give me my bird. <laughs> what about you, James? What's your best and what's uh, your sleeperhead recommend? My best, I mean, it's always between Godfather and Godfather Part Two. Since you guys already said two, I'll just say the first Godfather. There's something mm-hmm. about that movie just um, mm. just hits the right notes for me. Marlon Brando. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's it's almost a perfect movie in my opinion. I mean, I, mm-hmm. we all give it five stars. I give that and the second one five stars. So it's yeah, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely one of those. I've seen it. A handful of times and i'm probably gonna keep seeing it until the day i die so yep my sleeper hit is actually tucker the man in his dream i really enjoy that movie oh. quite a bit i don't feel so like a, i mean obviously not a lot of people saw it because it tanked in the box office but mm-hmm. that is a movie i think that just hits all the right notes too it's very uplifting as well 
it's one of those movies that I if like I don't know. It's about a guy that's trying to fight against the you know the big car companies. With Jeff <laughs> I was gonna say, except for the very end where it comes off saying he died of cancer or whatever. Yeah, I know. Then they're like, but he died. I'm like, I don't think you needed to add that. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. And it's and it's based on a um on a it's real event Tucker. too. Yeah, the real guy. Yeah. You know which one that really like I warmed up to eventually, even though like I, I gave it a somewhat negative review when I first watched it. Is one from the heart. Just because fucking Raul <sighs> Julia is so fucking Raul, good in that Raul movie. Julia, Raul man. Julia was yeah. that film. That Dude, film movie was, apparently yeah. is supposedly getting some kind of like a remaster going on. So like that's oh, no. probably a movie I'm probably gonna rewatch. It's another re-edit. All right. Gonna, been, no, not yeah. not a re-edit. They just cleaned it up. Like the guy's been like making a 4K transfer for like two years or something, like officially. Oh. So um that's a movie that like I don't and the feel of that movie, the fact that it looks like it's you know, it's purposely made to look like it's um like on a set the whole time, you know? Right. And yeah. um yeah. Which was very rare. And that wasn't a very common like we see it more in some of the art house films. They get nominated for Oscars, they have that feel, yeah. but that was not a common thing back then. So Yeah. So cool. once again, it just because my love for Raul Julia too is just like I think that movie in particular just uh not for everybody though. That's why I wouldn't say it's like a sleeper hit, but that's one I'll take a look at for, especially because that was his bounce back from Apocalypse Now, and mm-hmm. then he just lost more money, and then it was just like, <laughs> fuck, you know. So, unfortunately, so that was the Coppola corner. Uh, what's next? You might be asking. We're gonna be. Th- we've been. We've already kind of been thinking about what we're gonna be doing next. We think something similar to this, perhaps maybe an actor actress. But we will announce that on our next pod. So we will have a new segment coming up. I feel like um, this one was fun. So this one, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do something similar-esque, but mix it up a little bit, maybe. So uh, stay tuned, okay? We'll yeah. keep Give you, us a recommendation. We'll keep so. Yeah, let us know oh, yeah. if, if there's anything you'd like us to listen to or watch and uh, recommend, whether it's an actor, actress, director, I mean, dare I say writer even. You know, throw that out over there for us. Let us know. Might actually end up taking you up on yeah. it. We do listen to your recommendations. All right, so let's move on now to our main review of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Oh, my God. Hang on! Go, go, go! Audiences and critics can't believe what they're seeing. Listen to me. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Tom Cruise has outdone himself. With a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes! Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is filled with holy shit moments. What is happening? This is why we go to the movies. Oh, I like her. It's pulse pounding. It will rock your world with jaw dropping action. Is this where we run? Go, 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 go! Probably. It's one of the best action movies ever made. What more can I say? See it in the biggest, most seat-shaking theater you can find. It will take your breath away. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. It's currently sitting at a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Story goes, Ethan Hunt and his IMF team must track down a dangerous weapon before it falls into the wrong hands. This is directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who, of course, has done quite a number of other uh, MI films, Rogue Nation and Fallout, as well as the 2012 uh, sleeper hit, as we talked about earlier, Jack Reacher, which I enjoyed thoroughly. Loves it, Tom Cruise. Yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, This is written by Eric 
Yenderson, who did Band of Brothers and the big band Ithaca, um, as well as Christopher McQuarrie, who did The Usual Suspects. He also wrote Valkyrie, which I also enjoyed. Edge of Tomorrow, um, or Live, Die, Repeat. I don't know if you know the names, you know. And He swapped it, yeah. Yeah, and Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> Once again, he loved Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're homies, and you know what? They're All a good right, you pairing. Can tell. Yeah, they're a good pair. Uh, of course, Mission Impossible is based on a television series created by Bruce Geller. This film was released and is currently in theaters um, as of July 12th, 2023. This film stars a big litany of characters. Uh, first and foremost, top action star Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt. Haley Atwell as Grace. Bing Rames as Luther Stickle. Simon Pegg as Benji Dunn. Rebecca Ferguson as Ilsa Faust. Vanessa Kirby as Alana Mitsopoulos, Issei Morales as Gabriel, Palm Clementif as Paris, Henry Cerny as Eugene Kittredge, Shea Wiggum as Jasper Briggs, Gregory Tarzan Davis as Degas, and Carrie Oles as Dan Linger. All right, uh, James, what do you think about this movie? This movie was uh, fantastic. I thought this was amazing. I mean, these Mission Possible films have been some of the most like consistent movies since the like fourth movie. I want to say, yeah, it just was. A, it was great. I got to see this with uh, Marco, Mikey, my dad. Uh, we saw party. We actually got to see it a little bit early. We went to the little fan screening of it, and mm-hmm. um, I loved it, man. It was great, really fun. What about you, Marco? What were your thoughts? Did you have a similar experience as you did with James? Yeah, this movie was great, dude. Fun, fun times. Um, really, uh, didn't disappoint. Uh, I agree with James. Since you know, since Ghost Protocol, these movies have just been escalating more and more, and and just you know, getting more more vibrant. Um, had a good time, you know, seeing it with the uh, with the group I went to, James's dad and Mikey. <clears throat> actually, I saw this movie twice. I went to go see it with my brother too. Yeah, yeah, we actually we marathoned all of them. Um, oh, he hadn't seen all of them. Huh? Yeah, so we, yeah, we, we I marathoned all of them with my dad leading up to this. Uh, took a couple months though. Like it was one of those like nice. watch yeah. one every few weeks kind of thing. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my brother wanted to do that, and then we went to go see it, and he he had he had a great time too. So I think going with the people I went to, I think added to that experience and and the fun that I had with it. Nice. What about you, Nabil? I'm feeling the same. It was a great film. Another solid entry. Uh, you know, I'll talk more about my feelings as far as the how it stacks up to against everything else. But I can see your feelings right now. Can you <laughs> you're please twisting, put your, you're back twisting on? your nipples right now, sir. <laughs> I mean, can you let relax? me tell you how much I like it. No, um, it, it was piercing, huh? Didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it, I, I enjoy I enjoyed the film quite a bit. It was a very good story and um, just exciting throughout. There was some great scenes of action just not forgetting about what they even just show in the trailer there's like so much more um just well shot real very fun um segments in the film so loved it had a great time um let me go to you marco let's talk a little bit about the plot what do you feel worked what do you feel didn't work is this film um you know a breakthrough from the rest of everything else we've seen so far or are you feeling like you know there's there's um more that you need from it i like the stakes i like how the stakes keep increasing in each movie and how this is now a 
global threat. Whereas before we we'd had individuals and organizations that could potentially be global threats, but could, you know, gradually from time to time make it one. But this is like right now, all hands on deck. We, we got to freaking, you know, stop this shit from happening. Um, and also the, the, the speed at which things go at, because I mean, now they're, they're, they're going up against something that can keep up with them and, and even, you know, outpace them. So now like the urgency is even greater and some movies do that horribly and do and do the whole pacing aspect horribly, but the Mission Impossible movies just do it just great and enough for you to see what's going on, but also keep your fucking adrenaline running and keep you on the edge of your seat. Uh, all the action, of course, fucking works, dude. It's man, some of the best fucking action set pieces are in Mission Impossible, and I think it's because they still use a lot of practical effects and a lot of like real fucking stunts as you know, it, mm-hmm. it's all over the internet. It's not even really fucking spoiler. Tom Cruise does right. a lot of his own fucking stunts and even the, you know, the, the, the crazy ones. And that adds a lot to it, man. And, you know, in a time when we live, you know, with oversaturated CGI effects and stuff and yeah, some of the stunts and everything is laced around like CGI, but they're filmed in real fucking locations. And that adds to it. The fact that, you know, Tom Cruise pushes for that. Let's go to real fucking locations and go there. Adds a lot more and, and makes that much more of an impact. So the, I, I think th- those things are really great. Um, the callbacks worked. So all, all that totally fucking, you know, worked for me. Okay. How about you, James? You feel feeling the same? Um, anything didn't work for you in this film? No, I, th- I, li- I like the plot. I, I guess we can't really talk about it till spoilers just right. like what it's about but i think it's it's up to date it's modern it's mm-hmm. it, it worked for me for the most part it was one of those things where i think the pacing for a movie that's nearly three hours long i think this movie's two hours and 50 minutes long so it's like longer than the fucking flash right i think i think the pacing was really <laughs> yeah. good man yeah like, james was torqued the whole movie yeah no i couldn't i had to sit down for close to six minutes after the film ended before i could even stand up so yeah it's all involuntary. Just yeah, no, I can't help it. I mean, wearing short shorts on top of that too. So I mean, you know, God, what am I doing? <laughs> size my life size right now, too guys? small too. My dad. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but um, it was it worked. Everything worked. Nothing like I I I didn't feel bad about anything. I I guess the only thing that like didn't work for me maybe was like there are a few flashback scenes of Tom Cruise like in the past that they don't dive too much into. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was kind of a bigger like plot point perhaps or maybe we'll get more of that in part two from what i'm thinking but because they're kind of hinting at a lot of stuff like what happened i'm like I don't in the really past know. right yeah. a lot of shadows in these scenes i don't mm-hmm. know and you tell me like how the fuck does he know gabriel right it's before part one was he like <laughs> was he also in la bamba i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> was, was he screaming know. richie i don't know <laughs> he does scream Ethan at one point. I was like, "That's the La Bamba reference." I was that was a very odd way for them to, to have do that. No, like, he did cool. it too. Where Richie Valentine's in the plane crash. So yeah, me and James looked at each other right no, away. We were I, like, Richie! "Oh yeah," I was like, "I know what's going on here." Callback. My dude, my brother and I thought the same fucking thing too. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, "Okay." okay. Uh, uh, that was like the most e- eloquent fucking voice, by the way. Yeah. Isai Morales, dude, he's really uh, smooth voice. I gotta say, I'm like, damn, dude, he really hammed it up for fucking La Bamba, didn't he? 
<laughs> I did good in that. I liked him in that a lot. No, but I'm just saying, like, he doesn't yeah. sound like that at all. No, yeah. No. And then Marco's like, acting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Man, okay. Okay. It's okay, man. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess, you know, speaking on that, that's that was probably more of my weaker element of the film. You know, like, I, I enjoyed it th- thoroughly, but Sai Morales' character, Gabriel. I guess it's supposed to be kind of like the Messiah, uh, almost. And underutilized, right? Yeah, I feel like it wasn't. Yeah, there was compared to other villains in the other film. You know, like Henry Cavill. You know, or Philip Seymour Hoffman. You know, like seeing villains like that. I was expecting more from him. I honestly expect him to be more like Philip Seymour Hoffman because he's supposed to be like a or very Saul, big Saul too. Yeah, uh, I think he's more like he's supposed bad. to be just like Ethan Hunt, basically, just bad. Right, but we're not, you know, I just didn't feel that one up or like they're at the same level. Maybe because he's just being introduced, I'm expecting there might be more in the second film. I don't know. Yeah, that's where I agree with James, where it felt like a a lot of the other stuff that was missing in this movie are going to be saved for for part two. And that's probably according to a podcast I listened to, there was a 25 minute scene that originally was filmed or something for this where they have a cold opening where it's young Tom Cruise the whole time. Oh really? Like showing those events, but then they they thought like the de aging took away from it all, so they they just cut it. So I was like, oh, oh they de aged okay. him as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. nineteen eighty nine, I believe. They did the uh, Indiana Jones. For instance, who is the chick he was thinking. with? Right? Who is he it's with? Supposed be, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be the love of you know his former his past love that. But him and Gabriel um, were friends though, so they were like, right. like, I once again, I'm pretty sure this will be answered in the sequel though. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and then V Rags will also sit down the entire time and listen. Uh, he will a, not stand. I, I, I wouldn't he be surprised if they put that cold open in the second one. Maybe we'll see. They might. They might just toss it out. I don't know. We might see it as a deleted scene. But um, <laughs> you know, like, there's not a lot like wrong with the film. I think that the, I don't think that would add of all that would have done is probably added more context, maybe if anything. But I think like I'm fine with the mystery, you know, the mystique of it and intrigue and what's going on. I just felt like him as a character, there's a lot of background noise. Like there's like there's a weight to him that's supposed to be there for us and Ethan. But um I didn't really feel all that. You know, it just wasn't coming out this one. So maybe it's we need handsome. Handsome. It, it, it didn't he is a very feel, handsome man. It's too yeah. handsome. It didn't feel in the yeah. forefront. No, kind of like like I it wasn't in the movies. I, I feel, right. I feel okay. I feel that. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll talk yeah. about that more a little later. Mm-hmm. But I mean, otherwise, I yeah. Want, I think well, I will say this much: I was okay with that because, in all honesty, he's not the real main villain. Though. No, no, that's true. But not he's he's shit. kind of like the uh, the cat. He he's the momentum, right, of everything moving forward. Yeah, technically, um, he's kind of helping things go along. Well, and on that point, so you know, t- talking about the characters. Obviously, um, we've talked a little bit about Zai Morales as a villain, but what did we think about Ethan Hunt over here? Or the most important question, what do we think about his haircut in this movie? He's, he's starting to thin a little bit. Yeah, starting to thin well, a little not, bit. Not the same. But I he's got too, a nice, so clean head of hair. Shit, you know, very I functional. Say, he's starting to thin a little bit. But he's it was getting okay. up there. He's fucking 60. Like, it's yeah. okay. I I kind of wish they would bring back a little bit of long hair. I'm not gonna lie. Going through the series, supposedly I'm like, he's growing his hair for the second part right now, so right. that's why his hair is long. Yeah, we do see him that in the interviews. Crazy interview. son true. of a bitch! Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Love oh it. God. Wow, dude, they, gotta, they, gotta, they gotta do the fucking long hair, dude. You know, 
But or is this like a sixty-year-old guy wearing long hair now? Like, ah, oh, that don't look. Be good like on the Rogue Nation cut. I think is it Rogue Nation? He had the longer hair a little bit, right? Not not Mission Impossible two. Hair in Rogue Nation, yeah. but Rogue Nation. So might be going back to that, you know, and getting that back. We we have brought up his hair in, in past film, uh, yes, we reviews. So, I'm, I'm yes. okay with it, even the Rogue Nation length. Even maybe a little longer. I wouldn't mind the two lengths. It was, so. dude. Let's face it. Tom Cruise can he could rock pretty much every haircut at this point. He could yeah, do a bowl cut, and I'd be like decent. Yeah. <laughs> well, it it goes a long way from the first film, right, where he's just got that buzz cut all the way through. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. which leads me to think, like, was he in like the like FBI or something? What the fuck was he? He in? was like, in something. Um, I government related. I think they show something on his like dossier. Ooh, fancy. Uh, <laughs> in the no, first she... film, that shows that he was in like some or like some plot point of him like in the army or something. I don't remember. No. I'm just talking. I, I see. I I got it. I got the instinct that they everyone who's been kind of uh, recruited in the IMF has had like, like a, a shady criminal before. Yep, yep. So what was they, uh, Gabriel doing? So that kind of like the suicide squad, killing Richie Valens. Because every every time they've recruited they someone, and they're like, "Hey, yeah. you know, we've all been in this position, like you." You know, that's true. Yeah. Well, Ving Rhames was like snacking. I couldn't understand half the words. Ving <laughs> Rhames' position is sitting down. That's the only chips. position he needs. He's eating chips at one point. I'm like, he's damn, he's bro, maybe put the food down. I, I can't you got hear a chair you. for me. I'm sweating a little bit here, guys. Bro, I just need to dude, sit down. dude, he's always wearing a fucking leather jacket. I'm like, bro, like, are you good? Like the fedora. He's always hey, got. You look like you're sweating, dude. I'm like, I'm see where there's a scene where he was crying, but I was like, it might be sweat. That's eyes. what I was thinking too. I was like, "Was he tearing?" I, was I like, couldn't he, tell, dude. You know, he was crying because he was getting emotional. But I was like, "Or it could be sweat because he's fucking one or the other. 300 pounds and he's sitting there and he's just like, yo, there ain't no way he's seen this bitch, right?'" So. I got no problem with him being <laughs> in the film. Off. I think he's he's a fine character. I just I feel find like it he's interesting only in the movies now because him and Tom Cruise have been in the, like homies since the first one. So yeah, he's like, right. I gotta throw Luther in, right? So. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking too because it's like he's he not literally really disappears. Cruise is a off screen bitch. He's one where he's like he wants he wants his people in the movie he gets him in there i get it no i get it hey and i like i fucking like that fucking like adam that. sandler that shit all you want i get it bro <laughs> right homies in but speaking just to talk a little bit about ethan hunt as a character do do we feel that there's more to get out of him here like do we do we, like this is a valid story there's i mean you know is he going rogue yeah. again like he does in every film <laughs> like is there uh, like, do we feel there's real motivation he go, here does he go rogue in this movie I don't think he goes rogue. In this I mean, movie. he's not Te- doing what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to Te- turn over the uh, keys. Yeah, technically, he does go rogue. No, uh, well, technically. I mean, but he seems like he's doing it for a good reason. So, right. Uh, no, I like that they brought in more of his past because, like, truthfully, we never really explored his past before like that. So, mm-hmm. I didn't even thought right. about it until this movie, and I was like, oh yeah, where the fuck did he? We come didn't know from? anything before IMF, right? Because that's basically the I was first. Like, I know he was on the Top Gun thing, it. but what happened after that happened? <laughs> Is he the same <laughs> character? <laughs> yeah, I never thought of his past, so I was like, "That's kind of cool that they're you know. like diving into that for these." So, Marco, Haley Atwell, new edition thoughts. She was fucking great, dude. She was, she, was, dude. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, was, I couldn't stop saying, uh, freaking what, uh, uh, Agent Carter. I just kept calling her Agent yeah. Carter, dude, the whole fucking time. Cause that's where I fucking know her from, you know. Avenger I mean, movies, that's Marvel. Big, that's your big show, yeah. But um, which I still need to watch. I hear it's great. But uh, she she did great, dude. Um, she gave. She was sort of like the audience's perspective of this, where it, crazy shit's going on, and she's like, "What the what the hell?" You know, like 
sort of kind of a fish out of water. She's just a thief and she's involved in something a lot bigger than what she's used to. And I think it felt it, it fit the movie that much more and added um, a different uh, element to it. it. It really helped for the levity of the movie as well. Like her and uh, Tom Cruise's chemistry worked so well in the movie. And um, I, I felt that it was a, a great fucking addition to the franchise. So kudos to her being in this. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that kind of um, being able to see, somebody in the film that shows like that I'm at a certain level and then there's like your level. And that, that seems kind of like a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like when we had Rebecca Ferguson, the last couple of films where she was like on his level, right? Like on Ethan's right. level and can kind of keep up with him. Trusting but, him. Yeah, right. And then whereas, you have, well, uh, <laughs> whereas yeah. in this case, like Ethan's like, trust me, she's like shaking her head. No, no, I don't like, know. Why would I, like, I don't know. She, like, yeah. she like betrays him and backstabs him a couple times. Multiple times. times. Multiple yes. times. Yeah. Yes. Kept yeah, a goddamn he, fucking Captain Jack Sparrow on his ass every time. I'm like, God damn, can we trust this bitch or not? Right. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, oh. dude. He, Ethan, Ethan falls for that though. He falls for that. He's like, you know what? I like being betrayed by you. Uh, you know, if he's a sucker for brunettes. That's what I don't it know. Is, if, I don't know if yep. I felt like there was a romantic connection with him because he doesn't really. No, his not really. I felt yeah. more it was like a mentoring role because he sees a yeah. lot of like how he used to be like Agreed. in her because like you know he even tells her near the end like how to get out of the situation without talking about it. But um, yeah. you yep. know, there's a way out. You know, with um, if you talk to Kittredge kind of thing, so it's like okay. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's which I liked. I liked that they didn't play us up as a or another romance kind of thing. Like we have that with him and Ilsa, right? So mm-hmm. that's which I thought has correct. always been kind of forced, by the way. A little bit from the second film, they kind of really pushed because they on. never really. Yeah. There's like hints of it, and there's like okay, yeah. but they never really act on it, in my opinion. Yeah, they like, act the on it a lot more we, in this one. And yeah, like the most ever seen out, was out of this one, yeah. On the, the scene rooftop, when, I'm yeah, right. such a good scene, dude. Really good scene. Mm-hmm. Just want to add that. Yeah, but yeah, um, we do have some returning characters on here. You know, we have Vanessa Kirby coming back as Alana uh, Metsopoulos, well. and <laughs> and we have some new ones like Palm Clemente as Paris. Who, if you don't know, who Palm is she was. Um, Oh God! What's her name? Mantis in, in Guardians of the Galaxy you. and Guardians Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, she's French. You know, she's French, and her name is Paris. Irony? I don't know. But but um, James, what did you think about some of these added characters in here, or the return of um, even Alana um, coming back in this film? Like anything? I mean, anything she was cool. Like they, no. they they. I like that they have reoccurring characters, especially because the last time that we saw. Alana is like, um, you know, she's Max's daughter from the first movie, mm-hmm. which is not very clear. I yeah. guess a lot of people don't understand it, but she works, you know, like she's she's an arms dealer, just like her mom's. There's a deal that's going on. It doesn't quite. So they involve they involve her in the plot. She's more of a minor character in this one, obviously, just like she was in the last film. Um, Pon Klementov, she's basically a fucking Bond villain, which is which I liked a lot. Actually, I didn't hate that. Yeah, no, it was cool. She she does a lot of stuff on at one point, which is kind of cool just to see her do that. Menacing as fuck too. Uh Yeah, and she's um, you know, there's there's a scene where there's a fight scene between her and Ethan, and it just takes place in like a fucking alley as big as my shoulders. So small, yeah. Um, (laughs) so I would be like, I'm dead. James. I can't make it. Turn, I have to be in my side case. Yeah, but um, 
We don't get a lot out of her, but I have a feeling we'll get more out of her in the sequel, probably from the sound of yeah. it. But um, I don't know. It's just like she 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 reminded me of like an odd job or Jaws character, which mm-hmm. was kind of cool. Like she's mm-hmm. just you know there's there's a chase scene involving her, uh, Ethan and Grace, which I thought is really well done. It's the one that you guys have probably seen in the trailers where they're in that little Fiat, and I I thought it was well, super well done how they that whole chase scene. So, Amazing. Yeah. Uh, what about just to add on to because we didn't really talk about him. Benji coming back in this film. Do you think that he was being? I feel like there should have been more comedy with him. We didn't get a lot of fun Benji. We got more serious. I think Benji there's here. a lot of characters in here though. There's, it's hard to balance all that at this point. Like this movie's pretty serious for the most yeah. part. There are funny moments. Don't get me wrong. Like you know, Tom crashes that yellow car at one point. And yeah, I feel it was Tom all kind of reserved the train. Yeah, it was point. more reserved yeah. for like Grace. The all all the levity. Yeah. Rather than yeah, a lot of like the shock of seeing Ethan in Italy, yeah. right? Like, oh, fuck, mm-hmm. what's he doing here? And he's like, yeah, you know, it's, me. it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's and let's jump into the some of the action you touched on already, James, um, in regards to the big chase scene in Italy. Um, very, very yeah. different. Um, very well done. I think there's just it, there's a lot of physical comic comedy too. Too, there's a point where basically Grace and Ethan are stuck together, and they have to find a way to navigate Italy while also trying to drive the car and being chased by everybody who could possibly be chasing after somebody. Yeah, yeah um, li- in this li- film. literally, right? Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, how do you think? Uh, I know we know about the like the bigger stunts, but what do you think about this? Do you think this worked? Do you feel like? There might uh, this this kind of brings to mind actually now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, wasn't uh what do we watch? Fast X? Wasn't that in Rome? That was in Rome, right? Like mm, <laughs> it was on like, a green screen. Yeah, I'm not sure. Was it not really real? I was like, I feel like this definitely was the the better made uh made stunt here compared to very but, it reminded me very of the um G.I. Joe Rise of the Machines. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's all oh, that Nabil. Um this the reason this one worked more is because they actually fucking did it. Like they were legitimately yeah, it was like practical. <laughs> There's yeah. probably some CG with the crashes, I think, maybe, but I don't know, man. Look pretty I don't good. Know, to that me. ball looked pretty big when they were chasing it. I feel like that's a real thing. I don't know you can do that in CG. It's kinda hard. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's it's okay to use CG, but not you know use it um, sparingly. You know, make some actual like real stunts and and practical effects. And I think that's what made this scene stand out the most. It's it's you know one of like the most. I mean, I mean, it's only the second one, but it's like one of the best stunt scenes in the in the yeah. entire movie. And the very fact yeah. that they made it different with them having to be handcuffed and on the wrong hand too, where their hands yeah. are twisted if one of them's in the the driver's seat or not. I think added a different element. The the perfect amount of levity too. With uh, there's a <laughs> it's almost like an Austin Power scene when they first get to the fucking Fiat and Ethan is like doesn't have a feel for the car yet and he's like crashing against the walls and shit. It's 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 fucking hilarious. So yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and some of us kind of recalled me back to uh, the French Connection too, like. That scene, you know, they're driving through. I don't know if you guys seen the film, but he's driving through Paris, oh, wow. and yeah, it's it's a very fun, or even like the Italian job, the original Italian job, where they're just kind of mm-hmm. racing to the city, like Cooper. very cool, small little cars, you know, going through town and and trying to navigate through these crazy spaces, like done very well. Um, on top of that, we obviously have the big action scene, which I was wondering when they were going to get to. 
Uh, I was like, it's going to happen sooner or later. Um, it takes a while to get to it. But um, the, basically, he's jumping off of a cliff on a motorcycle. And um, Marco, th- let me ask you, did you feel like based off of what you saw in the trailer and all this press stuff for it, that that scene delivered watching it? Or do you feel that you would have been happier if you didn't get a chance to actually get exposed to it? I think it's still delivered watching the the whole scene and and kind of seeing the behind the scenes and knowing the fact that he did it like three times, dude. Like he legitimately did the jump six times. Yeah, yeah. I think he might have done it even more than six times, guys. Yeah, he he did it multiple times, and it's it you know the fact that it's him, you know, the whole fucking time, I think makes it, you know, in- incredible. We, yeah. we just see just a small glimpse. We just see the jump in the trailer. We don't see the full sequence and how it plays out in the scene or what it entails. I, I think the stakes kind of add to it as well, too, because he's you know supposed to team up with grace and be her backup and stuff. And it's like the race against time. So I think the movie still does a good job at sort of, you know, giving you that adrenaline rush, so even though like you've seen it before, the the anticipation kind of gets your adrenaline pumping too, and you're like, holy shit! Like he makes the, he does the jump, but what happens after? You know, right? Yeah. And I like how yeah. they don't show the the after part, so that that made that scene, um, you know, uh, pretty intense. So I think it so worked. Yeah. He did he did thirteen thousand practice jumps. Jesus Christ! Off that same cliff. Holy crap! There you go. Yeah. So a bit more than six. God damn. <laughs> no, well, I know they did some uh some practices um outside of the cliff too. Yeah, specifically on the cliff itself. I think it was at least in the uh little documentary thing that they did, it was like they mentioned six, but you know. yeah. So quite a bit, you know, and it's scary. Yeah, I couldn't do anything like that. So, you know, ballsy as hell. Oh, yeah. Um James. Mm, maybe you could. No, no, okay. James. <laughs> uh, any other action scenes really stuck out for you that you felt like worked or train you know, sequence was worth was great? Yeah. I really like the train sequence. Something happens to the trains, obviously during that time too. We can talk. I mean, I mean, it's in the trailer. Like the train goes off the rails at one point, and there's a scene that remind me of Uncharted too, quite a bit. A little bit, yeah. The Where game he's mm-hmm. moving around, trying to get out, and I, I, I actually like that the train kept falling down, and you know, it kept like the tension really high for me. Cause I was like, oh shit, what's gonna happen, you know? Especially because that is like near the end of the movie, and I was like, oh man, is someone gonna die? So, <laughs> um, this train scene was cool, it was cool. I like the just very reminiscent of the first film in a way because there's a train scene in that. We didn't, you know, we didn't get June, uh, June Renault out there on a helicopter, you know, <laughs> <Right>. sweating <laughs> intensely with his gloves, with his fucking rubber gloves, man. Not being able to get a shot off. Yeah. He's just quiet. And the, 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 the circle frame shades. Gotta go fuck my wife. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was cool. I mean, there was even a scene where he uh, Ethan has to escape everybody when he's at this um, this meeting with uh, Alana and Gabriel and various other thugs, right? And Tom just jumps over the fucking edge of the, the, the yeah, fucking right through it, yeah. second floor. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I would have been like, oh, no, broke my leg. Sorry, guys. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm 60. Of, uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. He just lands on his fucking shoulder. Fuck. It's not supposed to look like that. <laughs> yeah, but there's like a lot of like, he like, he's just fighting people and he's trying to chase down um, like Grace and stuff like that. And um, not to mention, there's even a scene in the beginning where um, 
Ethan is meeting up with Ilsa and she's sniping out these guys in a desert scene. It's very visually striking. Yeah. So good. That looks really cool. It's just, it's just, that's almost just cool just to be cool kind of sake. (laughs) That's true. Call back to the desert storm too in Ghost Protocol. Yeah. With the sand. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, You know, I will say one thing on the action because I think, at least I think because it's a part one, knowing that it's like that. I feel like we got the opportunity to have them like sit with the scenes longer. Like some of these action scenes were just running a little longer in, in a good way. A bit, yeah. yeah, they didn't waste the time. We got a lot out of it, though. And it's not like it was a quick cut and something happened. And then, you know, we move on to the next thing or you get this epic moment and then you've got to and it progress. Like we got a chance to really sit with a lot of these action scenes. Like mm-hmm. you were saying, James, that the train sequence, you know, they could have ended it like with one car, but there's like multiple cars that he's jumping yeah, they're through. They're going and, for like a while. I'm like, yeah, oh, shit. And okay. it, quite enjoyable Amazing and adds, yeah as to the suspense and i think that's because they knew um that you know this is what we're going to put into this so let's, let's yeah, give the action definitely. the time it needs yeah so yeah i think that was great um marco anything else you would have wanted to see more of this film or did you feel like you know maybe i didn't need as much in this movie uh nothing i can possibly s- well not really a spoiler, but just sort of more of a Sai Morales. I know he's not like the the main main villain, but you know to to make a comparison, uh, you, you know you have Henry Cavill in the previous installment in Fallout. Right. Now he's a, he's a constant force that's there, and I think again it, because this is a part one, they're like, oh, we could save it for the second one, and you know, kind of intensify it a little bit more. This is sort yeah. of more like the introduction of like the whole like plot and and the stakes and everything and um and i think because of that you know they they hopefully because of that they kind of reeled uh Simon morales back and we're going to see more of that in in the second movie yeah that's um, how i thought about it too that's why i was like the way we weren't getting as much as i feel like we should have yeah but it makes sense so i feel like for me though like it it, it it's spread about apart like if that is the case that's fine with me like if this is like another, this is technically a six-hour movie, right? If you think about right. it, right? Yeah. Like I'm okay with that. Unlike when I had issues with like Spider-Man, right? Where I felt like there's only ten more minutes to tell to this movie, right? Like I I don't really see that there's much more to this. But if this is the fact that this is a much longer film and told in that kind of form, then I I'm okay with it. So. Yeah. All right. Let's. Be, there's a little bit that we want to talk about in the spoiler section, just so we can. Mm-hmm. Um, we can kind of sit a little bit more in more detail, but before we do, we're going to talk about our star ratings. Um, so, James, let me go to you. How many stars did you give this movie? I gave it four and a half stars out of five. Very cool. And Marco, how about you? I also give it four and a half stars out of five. Mm-hmm. All right, it's one of my favorite movies. Huh? Uh, I gave this four four stars out of five. So not as high as everybody else, but still thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Before we go into spoilers. If you haven't seen the film yet and you don't want to spoil anything for yourself, please go ahead and jump forward a little bit and you'll be able to listen into what we'll be watching next and how you can get in contact with us. Otherwise, stick around for just a second. Okay, so spoilers. We've been kind of uh, skirting around it, but... Say Morales is not the main villain. The main villain is a rogue AI named Chat the GPT. Entity. Rehobum. <laughs> Sorry. Chat GPT, you crazy son of a bitch. 
so the entity, the big baddie, basically it's a, I want to say sentient or or uh, an AI it's, that gained consciousness somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's aware of that. itself. And it's basically using kind of, it's found like a fault in everybody in some way that kind of help motivate them to do the things that it wants them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this case, it's, I don't know if it's really trying to take over the world or if it's trying to control the world, but um, Ethan is being tasked to find these keys that open they they had, during the film they don't really know what yeah, it opens yeah, yeah. but we know that it opens essentially um, the the core of where the AI is and they want to that, submarine in the bottom of the Arctic, yeah, Arctic, or some shit, Arctic soldier yes. yeah circle yeah, and his snow fights in the next one oh my which God. I think yeah. will be kind of cool I'm looking forward to that or code. Code. yeah right. yeah. And so that's the only place supposedly where they can deactivate it or kill the the entity. Um, yeah. So you take it over or kill it, and, and Ethan wants to just kill it because right. Ethan's a good man. Which is the yeah. reason why Ethan is kind of going rogue because everybody else wants to use it for their own means, and he's like, "No, this shouldn't be in existence." Right. No one uh, should control this. James. So, what do you actually think about the entity? Do you feel like it's a solid villain? Do you like what's yeah, going on yeah. here? Kind of like, eh. no, I thought it was awesome. You know, yeah. AI shit's big right now, so fuck. They got on James uh, smashed his uh, Apple Watch in the middle of the fucking movie. He was He's like, like, fuck that shit. No. Oh, yeah. much, bro. It's too strong. It's Apple Watch Ultra. You would need the force <laughs> of a tank to destroy it. Yeah, no, it's like it, it's really up there with like, you know, people's fears of AI and like what it could become. And, you know, the fact that this is a rogue AI, it, it's very funny that it's uh, it's practically like. What if Al from fucking uh, 2001 and Space Odyssey yeah. became yeah. The, just got a bigger movie, basically, and this is it? Like, don't worry, I'll take care of you all. And it even talks to him at one point, you know, like it's stricken them and like, oh, no, you're talking to the AI and it's not it's not Benji and blah, blah, blah you know, mm-hmm. um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. So and like he he has something on Gabriel, right? Or Gabriel just sees that he's like the end game to everything. Like he's I like, think oh, that's like, how it is. yeah. Like no one can beat this thing, so that's why I've teamed up with him. Like I, I want to know, like, like how did he? Yeah. How did that even happen, though? Like I feel like Gabriel kind of sees it as like an oracle or something, right? Like he know because he keeps referencing how the entity just knows, like this is what's going to happen. Also, he's also obsessed with with the chaos as well, too, and yeah. the fact that you know he could. Pretty oh, much the, disturb the status quo. He's like obsessed with that too. Almost similar to Solomon. Like makes sense. Like it, Marco. So, or is yeah, it? Or is it more like um like fucking dude from Jurassic Park, the Chaos Theory, bro? Oh, Ian Malcolm. He's like, yeah. yeah he's, holy <laughs> shit! Is this Chaos Theory, bro? <laughs> Fuck. Basically, kind of like that. He's he's life um, will uh, find a way. So <laughs> <laughs> it rolls down. See, it rolled down the other finger. See. <laughs> Can you get your hand off my freaking thigh, please? Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. No, yeah, he's he, he's sort of upset. They even mentioned like he's obsessed with like death and chaos and stuff. So Makes that's sense. why he's he's so like attracted to um, the entity because of that. It's so alluring to him. And see, that's where I think, like, I agree with Nabil and you. Like, we just don't get a lot of that from Gabriel, unfortunately. Right. You know. So it's yeah, that's. Like- Maybe they'll expand on that in the sequel, I'm assuming. Like, maybe there'll be a flashback scene of how he got caught up with the entity, right? I'm assuming. Exactly. And, I mean, you, you brought up a good point, James. Asai Morales, like, he he killed it in this role. He He's such a smooth talker. He's, like, 
sort of the opposite Ethan Hunt, and it's like, dude, give us give us kind of more of that, you know. And it's just funny because technically the opposite Ethan Hunt is the bad guy from the second one there. Yeah, yeah. technically. <laughs> technically, <laughs> technically yeah. yeah. Left jacket pocket. Double O six. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like this is guy is like another variation, but he's crazy. And I mean, obviously there's a lot of you know, the, the wording of it, Gabriel, he's like what the bringer of death or some shit, right? Or mm-hmm. angel death, yeah. Oh. And then know. like is the entity God or like a fake god? There's like a lot of things with that. So it's like yeah, okay, it's, it's a very biblical it. kind of I don't think it's isn't. super heavy handed, but I mean it you know, if you're if you're looking for it, you, you can get it. But I mean that's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know that's part of the reason why like I feel the that is the weaker part of the film for me is the whole villain thing. Like I understand the stakes, and they kind of bring it into that, and it's like okay, I can get into this. Um, compa- especially considering the last film was a nuclear bomb, but so you know like you really bring this up up a bit. But at the same time, we just don't get enough of understanding the severity of this. Um, I, and I, you know, so I, I it just didn't work for me as well. I, I think we kind of, or you talking in terms of, of uh, the entity, right, Nabil? Right. I, I think it. we get sort of a teaser. It's true. We, we don't get the full extent, but we get we get enough to know that it's the AI is able to, you know, uh, infiltrate every system and it's able to trick you at any given moment. Like there's the moment where they realized, oh, how did you get contacted? All electronic mail, nothing physical. And they realize... So just how dangerous it, it could like, be. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Come on, dumb fuck. Yeah, it's like you didn't you didn't catch it in person for real. Um, and the fact when yeah, it impersonates Benji, yep, and is impersonating yeah. his voice, and it, it I, shows I did like, like that scene though, Marco, because that that is very like Benji has helped him do that so many times, like yeah. in every film leading up to this, where Benji was in from the third film going on, he's always told right. Ethan how to get the thing, so like he trusts him fully. But this time around, it was hacked it was used against like, him. Yep. Yeah. And that led to someone's death, you know. So mm-hmm. exactly. And that and so we're we're it's supposed to just to tease like this is just like a like a fraction of its power. So I get your point of view, Nabil, but I it was, I think it was done purposefully it because it's supposed to show us like, dude, it it's doing this, you know, without even trying. Imagine if it really put its efforts, it could bring us all to our knees, type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very Zod like, yeah. Fucking chat BT, dude. God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, GBT's like, nah, I got you. Nah. <laughs> Hold on, let me watch the movie. He's like, oh, that's yeah. how you do it. <laughs> Here's your uh, resume. James, you touched a little bit on the death in the film. Rebecca Ferguson, I think officially, I can't, I'm not 100% sure. Pretty sure I'm pretty dead. sure people don't she's come back dead. in this movie. Yeah. So, um, how do you feel that kind of, do you feel that death was earned? Do you feel like it was, uh, you know, a, a good send off for the character kind of thing? Like, I feel what like they were. It's kind of hinted at, like she almost dies, like at the beginning. She's not even then. She almost died in the other movies, right? Like she's always been kind of on oh, the edge. Time, yeah, and like, she's been in three films, right? Since Rogue Nation, yeah. I think she was. Yeah, she's been in uh, five, six, seven. Yeah. So and, right. and, and uh, Ethan even tells her in the beginning, like, okay, like you think she dies in the desert, right? And then you find out, like, oh, she's not dead. Now she's she's alive, and he tells her, like, just disappear, like you're gone. But she comes back to help Ethan. So then as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, she's going to die. Like, I, I yeah. knew. And like, especially because they're starting to have feelings toward each other and it's showing more like they're actually hugging at one point. I'm like, whoa, that's rare for a Tom Cruise film at this point. Right. So <laughs> especially because, you know, the, the Dune series is coming out. So, you know, contracts. Yeah. She's like, fuck, I got to get out of this bitch. But, you know, and that shows you that just, you know, Gabriel got some fighting stance. He takes her out, man. 
knifed yeah. the shit out of her. So, um, it didn't hit as hard as like, cause I, I mean, I've never really connected with Ilsa. No offense to the character, like, and it's almost like they brought in Grace to replace her. That's how I kind of feel. That's how I felt about it too. Like, like, sorry, she's even too much on her. Ilsa is actually younger than Grace in real life. Is she really? Yep, by a couple I didn't years. Know that. So, whatever. So, it was like, okay. So, it's almost like they replace it. But that's why I'm also saying, like, I, I don't feel like there's a uh, a romance between Ethan and, and Grace. I don't think he does that. It's not like a James Bond thing with him. Like, he's not, he's never. No. They tried the James Bond thing in the second movie, and they never went back, basically. They didn't right. work. But they, so. and they always sort of hinted it between him and Ilsa. There, there's this unspoken yeah. connection that that she they have and they, with her right and that and, and yeah, oh, yeah and that's when i knew she was gonna die also james when as soon as they had that scene on the roof i was like she's, she's like i've never die. been here before and she's then like, they yeah. either it's the one moment where they actually let go and like show each other emotion whereas the other times they're just sort of like trying not to but it, it yeah. dude watching them recently and watching them like kind of back to back it did kind of hurt a little bit i was like god damn it dude she was part of the fucking team but um, the the fake and, out kind of ruined it a little bit. Team. I'm like, yo, man, where's everyone else? Where's Jeremy? Yeah. Where's, where's, where's Paul? Jeremy Paul or, uh, well, I mean, my man's two, you know, my, my man's cheated death. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's he's what. due, man. He's due. He's due. Yeah. But um, where's, the, where's the chick from the third movie? I don't know where fucking anyone is anymore. Yeah. True. Huh. Yeah. Russell. In yeah. the fourth movie, where's she at? Mm-hmm. She did. Yeah. Probably. Where's the kid know, from right? the third movie? Where the fuck's everybody from the third Where movie? Are <laughs> Where are you? It's just Luther and Benji, dude. And then, you know, dude, Luther doesn't. Luther takes up screen space. We get it. Like, he's, he's we can't have nobody he's next hands to deep in a bag of fucking Doritos right now. Bro, he was eating Cheetos at one point, just licking his fingers. I'm like, did they keep this for a fucking reason? When uh, when when they asked him, were you close to Elsa? He's like, yeah, she brought me a bag of chips once. <laughs> He's like, you ever been a Burger King? Yeah, well, I was a Burger King. And I was like, I don't know if that made sense. But he's a big black dude. No one's going to question his ass. They're like, oh, okay, that's cool. Thanks. She's like, what the fuck did that mean? And then just kind of, you know, obviously we know this is a part one. They made it very clear. Um, but what are you guys looking for for a part two? Like, what are you hoping to get out of this? Uh, hope Maybe bookend of the whole thing. Maybe it's going to be just a, a cap into I don't think it is anymore. I don't think it is anymore because Tom Cruise had an interview where he talked about Harrison Ford, right? Yeah, he, he wants to like, do as many as he can. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, I I assumed Ethan would die at the end of these things, right, or something, because right. I was like, that's kind of the way right. these things go. But I'm like, if he's got 20 more years in him, fuck it, let's keep running these bitches back. <laughs> so do you feel, Marco? Um, is there anything you're kind of looking for in this next film? Outside just of, more, I guess, closure of the main story. <laughs> <laughs> just more Gabriel. That's pretty much yeah. it. You know, yeah. I want to I, I want to see them more kind of, you know, having the, these little teaser fights leading up to like the big main fight kind the of thing. Fight, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I want, you know, I want to. So I kind of want that uh, and more of an explanation. Like James said, more of an explanation of the past too. like kind of clear that up. Yeah, like, I agree. Like, is was there going to be like an f- underwater fight in this bitch? Is there going to be a submarine fight like uh, tomorrow or dies? So. That'd be kind of cool. Oh shit, Fuck, that'd man, be pretty cool. Eight right now. Also, like you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious what the death defying stunts are going to be, and I, I say stunts plural because like I think ever since Ghost Protocol, there have been two in every movie now. So 
Yeah. I mean, you know, Peg just... said that, like, if you thought that this movie was crazy, because they've already filmed the big stunt for the next one, apparently. He said it's even crazier. I was like, Holy yeah. I, I read something that Chris McQuarrie was saying that the scariest stunt he's ever done was said, in this next film. He said bring it. two pairs of pants, and I was like, yeah. Okay. All right. Ready. Okay. I'll wear the and, diapers for that one. In, in James's <laughs> uh, case, bring two pairs of short shorts. Yeah. He's like, make sure if you're wearing Daisy Dukes, you're prepped. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, my bad. Shit, I'm just showing off the kneecaps oh, now. <laughs> I'm hoping that like, does pa- you think Paris is gonna join their group now? Because she's still alive. They're like, we got a pulse. So like, is she gonna join them? Yeah, yeah. She signed on like for another something. movie. She's in the next movie. So is she? Okay, mm-hmm. she signed on for both movies. So yeah. If you look up the contract, you can ruin the films for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I would like to see her in there because she was a badass in this film for sure. Like, like Briggs and Degas, are they gonna like? Are they gonna be like, oh, he was right the whole time? The I don't know about Degas that. Degas whole... was the guy that he's a new dude. He's like, maybe he's been right, remember? And then he's like, well, I thought that was very me? funny that whole scene. And then it just Briggs just looks at him and he's like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? Yeah, he's like, like no. are you on my side or not? I'm like, yeah. dude, is Degas <laughs> gonna fucking join his fucking group? Is he gonna join the IMF too? I love their explanation of squad. possible mission force to the pre- uh, so funny because they know how ridiculous like, it is. Called? And I was yeah. like, yeah. dude, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how they finally confused it with like the real IMF too, and it's like, yeah, that's what I thought too. No, he calls it up. Yeah. yeah, he's like, not that one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think that was fun. Okay, um, anything, any, anything more on this film? Anything else we didn't t- touch on that you guys wanted to talk about here? No, I would say no. if you if you're on the fence, go to see it. See it in the biggest screen you can see. There are IMAX yep. scenes for this movie, so yeah, looks good, man. Yeah, Watch I, it before Oppenheimer takes up all the screens. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. You only have by the time I edit this, you will probably have like a day to see this fucking movie. So yeah. good luck. I, in I IMAX, agree. At least. In IMAX, sorry. If if there's one action movie you want to see like this year, definitely this one. You know, if you miss the John, you know, John Wick four, then go watch this one. Let's stop here for a moment to let you all know about Newsly. Newsly is an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up the most trending articles on the web on topics you choose at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time ever, the entire web becomes listenable all in one place. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. You can follow any topic as specific as you like from sports, tech, business, science, Bitcoin, or heck, even the Kardashians. Newsly will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. They even have digital radio. Did we mention they also have podcasts from over 80 countries? Well, they do. And guess what? The Movie Pals podcast is there too. I started using Newsly as my default podcast player and I can't think of ever going back. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me or from the link in our description. And make sure to use our promo code TMPALS. That's T-M-P. ALS to receive a one month free premium subscription. Newsly, stop scrolling and start listening. All right, so that is the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Marco, tell them how they can reach us. Listen and follow us on your favorite podcast service. Trust us, we're on all of them. For a quick link to all our socials, visit linktree slash moviepalspod. Thank you, and make sure to smash that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Make sure to also stay tuned for our next episode, episode number 155, where we will be doing a double feature review of Barbenheimer. I mean, Oppenheimer and Barbie. 
Thank you, Nabil. Until next time, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a great one.